Thank you so much, Ian, for reading. Please do keep your Bibles open, either your actual Bible or uh, on your phone. It does really help, I think, when we're looking at a passage together to be able to follow it. So do do that if your Bibles are open. We've been working our way through the book of Philippians in a series that we've called One Thing. And we're getting towards the end of that series. And we've got today to the key verse that we've been saying over recent weeks that the whole of this letter hangs on. Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13. 13 and 14, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So as Paul writes this letter we've been learning to the Philippians while he's under house arrest in Rome, he says that there's this one focus, there's this one aim he has, one thing I do, he says, and that is to press on in the commitment to follow Jesus today and all the days into eternity. And today what I want to do, I've finally got to this verse that it's all been leading up to, is to unpack it a little bit together before we come and share in communion together as well. And I've called this message, The Blessing of Forgetfulness. Now already I feel this is good news for some of you here this morning. There is a blessing in forgetfulness. If you remember one thing, see what I did there. This can be it, the blessing of forgetfulness. I don't know what your memory is like. Some people have got incredible memories, haven't they? They're so good at details and dates and events. And other people aren't. And you can't even remember how old you are some of the time. Do you ever go into a room and forget why you're there? Have you ever looked for your glasses or your phone only to discover they're on your head or in your hand? Have you met someone in the street and you know you know them, but you can't place them, let alone remember their name, and you have an awkward conversation where everybody pretends that they know each other? I never do any of those things. I'm actually pretty good with people and with names. I do have a good memory there, I think. But there are all sorts of times when I've had memory lapses. If it makes you feel better, you know, I was hunting around for the tea towel. It wasn't in the normal place. It took me ages before I found it, and I'd put it in the fridge. <laughs> I um, looked out of the bedroom window, this is quite recently, and um, I got my, our car wasn't there on the drive. And I started to panic and thought, I think someone's stolen the car, only till I remembered that I'd driven it to visit someone, I'd gone back to church, probably forgot about it and walked home, didn't notice it until the next morning. <laughs> if you would say that uh, if one on the scale, if kind of one was like super forgetful and 10 is like an amazing memory, just have 10 seconds with your neighbour, where would you be on that kind of one to 10 scale? You can be honest here, this is, we are family together. <laughs> Okay, that'll do. I won't, I won't embarrass anybody, but super good memory people. Did anybody say kind of seven to 10? Do you know what, hardly anybody. That's a little bit worrying, isn't it? Is anybody willing to admit that they were like one to four down this end? Loads of you. How many of you with your hands have done the phone in your hands or glasses on your head thing and look for them? Yeah, yeah, great. I am... Um, 
I read an interesting uh, BBC article about the going into a room and forgetting why you're in there thing, and it actually has got a name. It's called the doorway effect. So you run up the stairs and you go into the bedroom to look for your keys, and then you promptly forget what it is that you went in there to get. What's going on there? Rather than despairing that you are completely losing your marbles, this article says that actually the doorway effect is just saying something about the way that our minds are organised. So we have varying levels where our attention is needed. We're kind of always mentally juggling those things. Our minds carry all sorts of things all at once. And the doorway effect is when a change in a mental and a physical environment happen at the same time. So you go into a new room for a new reason, and that causes a shift in those levels and momentary forgetfulness. So that made me feel a bit better because I do that all the time, going through a room and thinking, why did I get, go in there? I'm not forgetful. I'm just juggling lots of very important levels of information <laughs> in my mind at any one time. Now, we usually associate forgetfulness as being negative, but looking at what Paul says here in Philippians 3, he encourages us to forget, forgetting what is behind, he says, and straining towards what is ahead. And there's a sense in which there's blessing in forgetting, and perhaps more than that, that forgetfulness is sometimes a necessity, that Paul has got a choice, and he's making a choice to forget. So this message is saying sometimes there is a blessing, it is a good thing to forget. So just a few thoughts on forgetfulness then, as Paul understands it here in this passage. And the first is about forgetting and not dwelling. The word forget here means to stop dwelling on something. Forgetting what is behind is Paul's way of saying, don't look back. Stop dwelling on the past. Don't let anything behind you interfere with your current progress or your future efforts. And Paul always had this kind of persistent determination about him. Before he was a Christian, he had been fiercely determined in his desire to persecute the church. He was absolutely hell-bent on that. After he met Jesus in the Damascus, on the Damascus Road and became a Jesus follower, he didn't lose that determination. In fact, it increased. But this time, the motivation was for God's glory. And if you look at our passage today as a whole, you'll see that Paul is saying that ultimately there are only two basic drivers in our lives, two controlling ambitions, I guess. And one of them is to do with self-centered, human-centered motivation that is concerned about our own glory. The second section of our passage is about ambition for human glory. You can look at that, verse 18 and 19, for example, where Paul talks about people living as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. The first section and our key verse is about being driven for God's glory, pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we can look to the past, we can learn from the past, but we can't live in the past. And in that sense, we are to forget, to forget dwelling in the past. And I wonder how many of us find it hard to run the race towards Jesus because our past is holding us back. The enemy loves to bring up our past mistakes, our past failings. He's called the accuser for a reason. 
One thing we see here at communion is that once we've asked for forgiveness, our past is dealt with at the cross. And if Paul, whose past included persecution and murder of Christians, can write these words, then we can hear them and find freedom in them as well. Choosing not to dwell in the past, not letting accusations from the enemy or from our own sense of shame or regret hold us back. We can leave those things. We can forget those things again today and here at this table. But it's not just past mistakes or past defeats that we need to forget or dwell on. I think we need, there's a sense in which we need to forget our past victories as well. We can't live in yesterday's successes either. They can hold us back just as much from pressing on towards the goal that we are called towards. God gave the Israelites daily manna, daily bread. We can't live off of yesterday's blessings or yesterday's strengths or yesterday's successes. We live today, in the today, with the daily bread, the daily grace that God gives. And I just had a sense as I was praying and preparing for this that there are some here holding on for dear life to something of the past, to some success or some hope of a return to something that actually the Lord wants you to lay down and he's calling you to live in today. And for us all, the blessing of forgetfulness for every single one of us means choosing not to dwell in the past, whether that's good or whether that's bad, and trust Jesus as we run the race for him today. Forgetting means not dwelling. And the second thought is that forgetting in order to press on. We forget in order to press on. To win a race, a runner's got to be able to dismiss all kinds of distractions from their minds. I quite enjoy running. When I say I enjoy running, what I mean by that is I enjoy a very gentle, slow jog up and down Centurion Way, and uh, I get distracted all the time. You know, birds, noises. I stop to talk to people all the time, partly because I want to talk to them and partly because I don't want to run anymore. You know, I don't, I don't enter races, you know, largely because I'm not fit enough, but also I don't have that kind of, that kind of race mindset the focus mindset. When I was a um, university student, I went to the same church as Chris Akabusi. Do you remember Chris Akabusi? He was a, 19, uh, a 90s Olympic hurdler. One of my claims to fame was at my church. He came to my student house. And he used to preach from time to time in our church. If you know him, you can imagine he's quite a character. Um, and I heard him talking once about his 400-metre hurdle racing and some of his techniques. And he described so vividly the importance of this kind of tunnel vision when racing. He said that athletic ability obviously is really important and, and precision in technique is obviously really important. But that was only part of running hurdles races and indeed any races for that matter. He needed to be mentally prepared to block out other distractions from around him. And when he was racing, he'd say if he was too aware of what was happening in lanes either side, it would distract him and make him wave ever so slightly. And of course, those tiny margins would be the difference between a medal or not. He wanted to win races, and so he had to be focused on the finishing line and not let anything around him disrupt his race. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining in this focused way on what is ahead, no distractions. Paul uses the phrase press on twice in just a couple of verses here. 
Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And in verse 14, I press on towards the goal to win the prize. And that word press on is the Greek word dioko, and it means to move decisively. The root idea of it is about, is about to chase. It's got a sense of dogged determination about it. Press on. Personal growth as a believer was a constant priority in Paul's life. The desire to keep moving forwards to win the prize for which God had called him. But he's clear that he hasn't made it yet. Our passage starts, not that I've already obtained all this. I haven't already arrived at my goal. Paul realises that he's still a work in progress. He and none of us have arrived. We press on whilst knowing the reality that we are all works in progress. None of us have made it. None of us are perfect. This passage is not to make us feel guilty, but to inspire us to press on in our personal growth while knowing that we will be works in progress until we reach eternity. Press on in forgetting what's behind in order to press on. And just this final thought that forgetting is also about forgetting together. The blessing of forgetfulness has a collective sense about it as well. Paul addresses the Philippines as a group. All of us should take such a view of things. You can see that there in verse 15. All of us should take such a view of things. Verse 17, join together, he says, in following my example. And then that glorious final verse in chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I long at love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. If we're not to dwell on the past and to press on as we run the race, then it is so much more effective if we do that together. And it's so much more fun. It's so much more life-giving to do the Christian life together, to spur each other on in forgetting what's behind and encouraging each other forwards. The, um, the refurb that's happening here is really exciting. Really looking forward to inviting you back here uh, in three Sundays' time. Don't forget, don't come next week. There'll be painting in all sorts in place. Um, um, and I just, you know, I hope that you, you miss this in the meantime. And if you do, that's a good sign that we're in this together and that we enjoy gathering together in this way as one big collective on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening. But if we're talking here about being on this journey together, it's a reminder too about the value of our small groups that can be so beneficial in a larger church, finding a smaller group to connect with. I want to encourage you to get involved in a small group if you're not. A couple of our groups have got some spaces at the moment. And if you're interested in joining a new group, have a chat with Roger, who'd love to line you up with one. I know we're suggesting that next Sunday, alternative Sunday, people join us on a walk or at Common Threads or bike riding and so on. But the following Sunday, the 19th, we've deliberately left clear. Do invite people round for a walk, for coffee, for lunch. Maybe people you know, maybe people you don't know so well. Let's use that Sunday as a chance to meet together in smaller ways. Forgetting together, doing life together is such an important help to us if we're going to be spurred on to win the prize for which God has called us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. So where we're landing... If you've got a bad memory, it may not be such a bad thing. We've been saying that forgetfulness, the right kind, 
can be a blessing and actually can be a necessity in the Christian life. Not dwelling on the past, but being determined to press on and doing that together. Forgetting not dwelling, forgetting in order to press on and forgetting together. And as we come to this communion table today, come as you are, come as you are, an imperfect work in progress. None of us have already obtained all this, not even the Apostle Paul. Come as you are. Come with a heart to forget, not to be bound by the past, good or bad, with a desire to press on in growth, running the race to Jesus, knowing that he is endlessly gracious and patient with us.